Welcome back to Normalize This. This is your host, Ryan Kippis, and our co-host, Rob Smith. How you doing, buddy? What's up, guys? Doing all right. So we got some interesting topics to talk about today. Um, one of the ones I found this week, which is absolutely fabulous, is the first woman Navy aircraft carrier commander. And this I was so like, cool. what? Really? I, I thought they would have already had the first, but hey, this mm-hmm. is a this is a year for women. Um, her name is uh, Bauer Schmidt, or mm-hmm. Schmidt. And she didn't even know she could get the job. <laughs> like she was surprised that it was actually available to her. Um, but I mean, they she was like, is this a thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they passed a law in the in the early 90s that allowed women to actually work on and be a part of these uh, naval uh, ships that were going to go out. I can't think of the right word right now. These uh, battleships, basically. And so she just kept rising up and up in the ranks and moving from different position to different position and finally ended up in a command position and is now in the USS Abraham Lincoln with about 5,000 soldiers underneath her. That's a running, Yeah. <laughs> running a two radioactive, so with two nuclear, um, damn it, I can't think of the Air, word. Nu- nuclear aircraft carrier. Yeah. So it has actually two nuclear cores in it. Mm-hmm. So uh, she actually went to school um, for that through the Navy as well. So I'm like, this is an impressive lady already. Yeah. She's I a mean, badass. Yeah. <laughs> just to say the least. And so I, I just thought it was really cool. And, you know, how often do you see um, women breaking through the glass ceiling? I mean, I guess we see it more and more every day now. Right. But, but, but you know, coming from our generation and seeing, you know, what it started out at, you know, to where it is now is just amazing. Uh, yeah. Even, you know, don't ask, don't tell, seeing that side of it, uh, how that's changed. Uh it's to me that's very personal to me because my aunt was was dishonorably discharged for uh right after don't ask don't tell was passed and uh uh it just it hits home with me that that you know we've come such a long way we still have a long way to go yeah but that we've come such a long way in in what seems like a short amount of time i mean and then thinking about don't ask don't tell we also had um Secretary Buttigieg was in the army when that was lifted. Um, yep. And so it, it's, just, it's just a really big deal for me too, seeing that because of his representation. Uh, it's, it's something that's so amazing. I mean, but this lady is, is, is super fucking smart, being a badass in the boys club and rose to the top ranks to one of the um, Nimitz-class aircraft carrier, which is um, one of the flagship uh, aircraft carriers in our Naval Army. Yep. So, well, mm. Naval Army? Or naval Navy? Forces. Naval Forces. There we go. <laughs> did, your, did your aunt ever get that um, the tunnel will discharge overturned? Once no. They, no. No. And so she wasn't eligible for VA benefits or anything. That sucks. Yeah. And she has, she has a lot of health problems and a lot of problems uh, mentally, and she can't, 
get the help she needs because she does not have benefits and does not have anything to help her otherwise. So it's, it's a rough way all the way around for that, for that generation, especially. Yeah. And people don't realize that the, especially the straight community at large, they're like, well, what's the big deal? Like you have it now. Like, why is it such a big deal? It's because of things like that. Like people lose their pension, their benefits, their, you know, all the things that they were promised when they joined into the armed forces at, at a whim of somebody else that just did not like that they were an LGBTQ. And I mean, and, and dishonor, a dis, dishonorable discharge is a huge black mark on your file oh, because, yeah. uh, you know, she, she actually trained as a firefighter and she was an air force firefighter and she could not get a job with any fire departments or anything like that after that happened. And it really, it really ruined her life in a lot of ways. And uh, I can't imagine how many people that's happened to. Um, I actually have a, have a close friend of mine and fraternity brother that is a, uh, he's a high ranking uh, officer in, uh, in Europe, in the uh, armed forces and in the army, U S army. And uh, to see him be able to serve now openly be married to a man, everything it's, it's extremely, it's extremely humbling to see because I'm finally being able to see change in place, you know, but uh, yeah, we've, we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. This, this woman, she she's amazing in my book. Uh, like you said, she took on the, the boys club and she's now, you know, nearly at the top and really just pushing it. You can't ask for anything better than that. Oh, and you know, there have been studies done about women in power versus men in power and women seem to come out on the side of being more reasonable, more level-headed, more, um, critical thinking oriented instead of men are more and and you know i feel like i'm the same way sometimes we're like uh ooh, bang kill kill fast you know because <laughs> that's just how now we're we're raised and we're pointed into that direction yeah. um of aggression and, it, and it's a nurture over nature thing it, you know we really haven't oh yeah delve into what what exactly i think it's a little mix of both i don't think there's a magic bullet for explaining that but uh yeah definitely one of those things where where you can get deep into the weeds with thought oh yeah easy (laughs) and you know as amazing as this is for her and what it means for women across the board um we are women are still under attack and are still going through some amazingly crazy things that are going on so our next topic is about roe v wade and I'm actually flabbergasted that something leaked from the Supreme Court. I'm glad it leaked, actually, because then it gives uh, everybody else time to at least express their opinions about it and show how we feel about it. And the majority of people are against, you know, Roe v. Wade being overturned. And it just goes back to, you know, having religion legislated. And if Roe v. Wade is overturned, which we should know sometime next month, if that's going to happen, 
then that means there's a patchwork of states that are going to immediately trigger and are immediately will ban uh, abortions. Texas is being one of them. So that means as soon as that is off the books, abortion, any type of abortion in Texas will be illegal. 13 other states um, have trigger laws that will immediately make it illegal uh, to have any type of abortion, no matter the reason, whether it's, you know, for the woman's health or safety or, you know, for incest or rape or any of these other horrible things that happen. Um, and I just want to say from, from the get-go that I'm pro-choice. I don't have a vagina. Yeah. I can't carry a baby. It is not my responsibility. It is not up to me to legislate somebody else's bodily function. Yep. And I get that people are upset about the babies and killing the babies. But honestly, six weeks, not viable. You know, they're not even it's, viable until after what? I can't. Don't weeks? quote me because I can't remember. It's been a while since I had a baby. I think, I think it's 27 <laughs> weeks. 27 weeks. And most of the um, abortion laws that are in place now um, were 20 weeks. Like Texas was at 20 weeks and um, things like that. Most other states that were uh, wanting to ban abortion had, you know, 20 weeks, 15 weeks, 20 weeks. And now it's six weeks in Texas. So most women don't even know they're pregnant within the first six weeks. Exactly. Um, And what about, you know, tubular pregnancies? You know, uh, a friend of ours recently, uh, I don't know if uh, I told you about this, but uh, Rhea actually had a tubule pregnancy and almost died from it. And she had to go into the hospital and she had gone in before to try and get it taken care of, but they, they told her to wait and sent her home. And it almost cost her her life because yeah. they didn't want to take care of it then. And see, ectopic pregnancies are probably one of the, one of the leading causes of, of um, danger to mothers that are giving birth and ectopic pregnancies can really, really be, be deadly in a lot of different ways. Um, So, you know, the abortion laws do, do not tackle this issue and how to handle that. And, and for me personally, I, I'm very careful about going into the uh, false dilemma fallacy of one or the other, you're with us or you're against us. And this is one area that I think um, a silver bullet does not, does not cover the entire thing. You cannot ban abortions and you cannot legalize abortions. There is middle ground that needs to be had in this Mm. and the health and safety of the mother should be paramount to anything. And when it comes to the argument itself, I'm with you on this. It's not my body. I have no business legislating over your body. I, I don't care how strongly my beliefs are. Mm-hmm. I still have no business legislating over your body. And and can you imagine legislating a man's body? Right. No, I saw one. Uh, who was it? it was uh, Julia Lewis Dreyfus? She had a. She was holding a sign that said, "said uh, if if." Uh, if men, if this was about men having abortions, there'd be an ATM for abortions on every corner. Exactly. <laughs> like, I was like, that's so hilarious. Damn right. So true. Yeah. I mean, I remember a, um, 
a legislator in Texas was uh, presented a bill that said that uh, men, if they jerk off or have uh, protected sex, that uh, it was considered um, uh, killing the babies and that they should be held to, you know, a federal crime and that's making... Why- yeah. That's why the Catholic Church, they, their whole idea on procreation and the fact that sex only has one purpose, and that is to procreate. And a lot of, a lot of evangelical churches hold the same belief, and it's one reason why they don't like birth control. And I remember going through uh, uh, the Catholic education and all of that, and they found out that I, that I had a vasectomy, and they were like, Oh, well, you need to get that reversed. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Not going to happen. I mean, telling women that they have to they have to have a baby um, or more that they can't have an abortion if they feel like they need one for their life or wherever they're at is basically saying the same thing as if they said every man at, um, I don't know, whenever we start creating sperm has to get a vasectomy until they're financially stable enough to support children. Yeah. You know, the argument can be can be said on both sides, but it's so absurd to hear that about um, men and having us be required to do something medically that we probably don't want to do. Or, I mean, that would be a real big invasion into our privacy. And but it's okay to do it against women. And I found out that it is not so much about um, saving the babies, like they always say, but it's really about holding women down and keeping them from being able to be autonomous and keeping them under the thumb of, uh, of the patriarchy. And the, the, the lesser of the two sexes is what it right. What it and and that's what that's how a lot of women feel about it. Right, please, right, rightly so. so rightly so because i mean it's it's one of those things where they're trying to tell women you can't do this you can't do that again you know it, it's yeah. a it's a method of control in a way and and it's outrageous that one of the uh, female judges or justices is wholly behind it but then again we knew that when she was getting pushed through confirmation in less than 30 days that this was a possibility yeah and you know, we already knew that the other justices, Merritt and Garland and um, Scalia, um, wait, Thompson, my bad, um, were all on that far right side, anyways. And yeah. it just it it baffles me that that they could think that this would be an appropriate use of the court's time. Period. I mean, it's a fifty-year-old precedent, and in the actual thing that got leaked, um, they're saying that it was wrongly done and it should never have been and how dare they basically. And then later you hear them say, well, you know, we'll keep things that are like ingrained in the fabric of our society. 50 years of being able to have um, legal abortion in the entire US. There are women alive now that have never known another way. Um, that have never had to worry about, oh gosh, can I, can I get an abortion in the place that I live? If I go somewhere else and get an abortion, will I get thrown in prison when I come back? 
because that's what's going to happen. Exactly. Um, technically. And uh, anyone that's looked at history and looked into recent history, because this has actually happened recently, um, a girl died from a back alley abortion. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's something that's going to happen. Whether you, It's whether you, how do I put this? You either legalize it and have it up front and done safely, or you make it into a black market itself. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, we, that is a fact. That is a pure, unadulterated fact. When states legalize marijuana, they're effectively taking out a black market. Yeah. And that is what uh, it was one, one of the uh, issues that the cartels had with uh with the mexican drug cartels was the fact that we took away one of their one of their means of income and so that was actually something that that a lot of people feared in the very beginning but uh it's it's intrinsic to the fact that we are creating a black market essentially for abortion and if that's not taking care of women's health and telling them that your health is not important i don't know what it is you know Exactly. And then it's also um, making the religious right even bolder by getting a $10,000 reward in Texas for calling people in. Yep. I mean, it's militarizing regular citizens to take it upon themselves to sue people that they think may have gotten an abortion or maybe trying to get an abortion. First of all, that's none of your damn business what they're going to do with their doctor. And you're not involved in it. If you And what makes me mad is that in normal law, you have to have some sort of injury. It has, Something has to have affected you personally negatively for you to be able to have any standing in the court of law uh, and to be able to sue somebody. Because normally somebody that just comes along that doesn't know you, sees you going to the abortion clinic, oh, I'm going to sue you know, Jenny Jane over here, because I saw her go into the abortion clinic and she must be getting an abortion. And for that to even have its day in court, it's outrageous because there's no, there's no injury to the person that is actually suing. And, you know, it, they have no legal standing. They, it would be a summary judgment right away right. that says, you know, you have no standing for this and there's no way that you can be injured by this because this has nothing to fucking do with you. Exactly. And Karen, put your nose back where it goes. Exactly. Back in your, back in your Bible. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I was, I was looking this up and uh, Washington Post did a really good article on um, what the Supreme Court justices have said about abortion and Roe versus Wade. So this is actually public opinion. That, that's where the whole uh, Roberts leading the push to go out and find who, who released all this information Bitches, y'all have spoken about it before. It's not any, any, uh, anything secret. So Roberts, starting with him, he is hard to peg. He is all over the place. He's yeah. all over the map when it comes to issues like this. And honestly, I'm okay with that because he's, he's voting with his heart and his judgment rather to me, rather mm-hmm. than just sticking to one side and saying this is what i always do i always stick to the conservative agenda Mm -hmm. i feel like he's being a fair judge right what it should be um clarence thomas of course he's written that roe was wrongly decided and should be overturned fucking idiot sorry uh 
uh, Justice Breyer, uh, he's an abortion rights supporter. So mm-hmm. that's probably one of the only men on the on the Supreme Court that I could say that that feels that way. Uh, Alito, he supports previous restrictions. Um, uh, Sotomayor, she she's definitely on target for you know voting for abortion rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, then of course Justice Kagan, she's also for abortion rights. Um, Gorsuch. He's he's kind of on the fence. He's he's another one that's a wild card. Uh, of course, Kavanaugh. He's freaking conservative, straight through and through. Um, and then of course you have Barrett, and she she's she's viewed as a conservative, but she has shown that she's reluctant to throw to overthrow Ver- Roe versus Wade and thinks that it should stand. So I mean, you've got a mix fucking bag of shit here because <laughs> because oh, yeah. you don't know which way you know s- certain ones are going to go and that's what mm-hmm. puts this kind of in a peril because you don't know you don't know what what could be over what their reasoning for overturning could be um but yeah it's definitely a hot button issue that men should have no no say in they really should not period exactly i agree i mean the whole the whole idea about roe v wade is it's again it's about holding women down and i saw this really great um history lesson um melissa milano had put together this uh, history lesson you know women didn't get the right to vote until uh, 1920 you know yeah 1920, it's been a, a hundred years since women have had the right to vote. Now, and that was just white women. Yeah. So Women's, women's self- suffrage was for white women at the time. Yeah. Which led to all women being able to vote um, once they passed the 14th Amendment, I believe, and raised uh, African-American people from being three-fifths of a person to being a whole person, which still in my mind is outrageous. But women have... have come such a long way in such a short amount of time 1920 they get the right to vote but it wasn't until the 70s that they were able to open a bank account without their husband's permission open a bank account i mean how that's so much control on a person it's outrageous a woman couldn't couldn't have a job um and couldn't cash her own paycheck in her own account until the 70s and a little bit later in the 70s credit card they weren't allowed to have a credit card until you the did mid-70s. not have credit period period without a without a mail back exactly you had to have your husband or male family member basically co-sign for you yep i mean yeah that at, that point, just, at that point you had just, no credit period and that's that's insane to stop and think about <laughs> i mean and you know, the idea, I, I think uh, the idea of being, of getting like a credit score, that didn't happen until the late 80s. But having, being able to have access to credit in, in the way of credit cards is, you know, another way to control somebody. So basically, women have been controlled as property for so long that when they start getting some freedom and rights, you know, the, the patriarchy is over here going, oh, shit, what are we going to do? They're going to start voting. They're going to start holding jobs. They're going to start leaving the house. And you now see that uh, you have a lot of men 
especially men on the right that are like, oh, I can't find a wife or my wife's leaving me or, you know, I'm yep. having so much problems in my marriage because she wants to be independent. And it's like, bruh, y'all brought this on yourselves. I was about to say, <laughs> you, you made this damn bed. Lay in it. Because they have, they have every wanna, right to jump up and want to want to get out of it. Hell yeah. You know, and the more independent women are, um, the more autonomy they have over their own lives, the better their decisions. They're not trapped in marriages that they don't want to be in. They're not forced to stay with people that they don't want to stay with. They can move around independently throughout the country, throughout the world, uh, for the most part. Um, they have the same autonomy or are equal to men in almost every way, uh, except for the pay gap, which is an issue. Um, but, yeah. you know, going from not being able to vote, own a home, have a bank account, have, have a credit card, be able to work independently, um, be able to be in management positions. I mean, be able to speak out against sexual harassment that was happening against them. So many things uh, women have been able to overcome or at least make the process easier for the next uh, generation of women that come through. And now they want to knock it back 50 plus years. I mean, it makes no sense. And it, it's terrifying to me um, because if they can take away this civil liberty or this right for women, then they can go right back to 2015 and take away our right to get married. Yep. They can go back to 2020 and take away our right to not get fired for being LGBTQ. I mean, uh, it, it's it, that simple. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think, it, I don't think it's nearly as slippery a slope as, as that, but it can be, it, it's possible. The possibility opens up, but talking about rights, I wanted to, kind of steer us into another topic today uh and ryan's like i don't know where the fuck this is going um <laughs> no but i opened my computer this morning up the google doodle was of stacy milburn and i was like who who is this well in case you don't know it is uh what is it the disabilities month uh disability awareness month and so the Google Doodle was about Stacey Milburn, who was a Korean American disability rights activist and not in this, it's not so distant past. It was, uh, she died in 2020 and, uh, and it, I was like, how did she die? So I looked it up and she, uh, she had con uh, congenital MS essentially. Uh, and, okay. uh, she was only 33 when she passed, but she, the whole, the whole thing is really kind of messed up how she passed because she was, she was an activist up to the point of death basically. Mm. And her deal was fighting for uh, equal rights for people with disabilities, intellectual disabilities, stuff like that. And she was actually uh, uh, appointed to the uh, president's committee for intellectual disabilities uh, by uh, Barack Obama and served the, uh, the Obama administration as an advisor for two years. So, I mean, she, she was, she wow. was a bad bitch. Um, but she, uh, when COVID, when the COVID outbreak happened, 
she immediately saw the need for uh, support for people with disabilities and was very vocal trying to help people in the community uh, put together, you know, safety packages for uh, people with disabilities and making sure that, you know, they were fed, that they had a place to go, things like that during, during quarantine. Um, but unfortunately, she did this while she was also fighting her own health problems and she uh, passed uh, due to kidney cancer. Um, she was due for a, uh, a procedure to take care of the cancer and it was postponed during our shelter in place. And she, uh, she actually ended up dying from surgical complications in May of 2020. Oh, wow. So, I mean, it, it was, it's very, very, you know, very close to our time period. So it's not like, you know, this was 30 years ago that this happened. This was, mm-hmm. you know, during the pandemic, but even before then she was very much active in, in the uh, disability and intellectual disability uh, rights. And just a quick shout out to her. Cause that, that lady, you know, she, she had, she had a, uh, what is it called? Ryan, the stoma where they, where you have something in your trach. A tracheotomy? Yeah, it was a tracheotomy. No, is it a tracheotomy? It's a trach tube. I know that. A trach tube, yeah. But she was known. She was known by the fact that she she would put her finger over over the trach tube to speak, and uh-huh. um, was just very very uh, an enlightened person. Plus, she was also LGBTQ. Um, she oh, was. Dang. Yeah. So uh, we're hitting all is, of them today. Right. Exactly. I mean. <laughs> This lady encapsulated everything. And then we also encapsulate women's rights, which she was for too. So, I mean, yeah, it really, she was, she was an amazing soul and did a lot of good work and uh, definitely sad that, that she had to pass the way she did, but uh, I'm glad that her legacy lives on. And, and even today, you know, in the Google doodle today, it really kind of put it out there for everyone to go and read her story and read what she was all about. So that was pretty cool. Anyway, that's awesome. I mean, and one of the big things with disability rights is that people that have intellectual disabilities and physical disabilities can be um, paid less than people that don't. So it's called a peace rate. So you have places like Goodwill and other organizations that, you know, when you get a box that has your different lotions in it and it's all packaged all night, they do that. They put all the packaging in there. When When you get something from, um ikea or something like that and you got that whole strip of nuts and bolts they put that stuff in there and they get paid a piece rate which means um they get paid based on how much a person without a disability can do in an hour and then how many pieces they can do so if a piece person without a disability can do 100 of them in an hour uh they divide that by the hourly rate and so if you only get 10 done that you get paid only for the 10 pieces that you make right. which is way below um, the federal minimum wage and they, they have to get a special certificate from the Department of Labor to be able to have that but that's one another way um, to keep people with disabilities you know under the thumb Marginalized. and benefits mm-hmm. and so not as autonomous I didn't know anything about that like the piece rate I knew oh, yeah. nothing about that until I was working in a manufacturing facility and we had a gentleman he was blind uh born blind, very high functioning. I, I was 
I was appalled at, at being in a dangerous factory environment we were in. He was easy on it, but he had his own workstation set up and he had his own tasks to do. And he, he would sit there and do it all day. And I was like, that's awesome. And someone actually pointed out to me, yeah, what sucks is he only gets a piece rate. So, you know, if he, you know, is having an off day and doesn't, doesn't really, you know, isn't feeling it and just going slow, he's getting paid by the piece. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? And they were like, yeah, I was like, that is some shit. I mean, he is there, he is there eight hours a day, just like I was, he would work overtime, just like I did yet. He had a piece rate where I got paid hourly. Mm-hmm. I, and, I, and, it blew me away. I couldn't believe it. And and there, the advocates for it say, well, it's a, it's allowing these people to be able to be in competitive employment, but that's not competitive. That's not competitive at all. It's like saying, okay, well, you so somebody that rolls silverware at a restaurant. Well, if you can, a regular person can roll three tubs of silverware in an hour, and you can only roll one. So we're only going to pay you a third of what we would pay somebody else that nobody would be okay with that no you know me and you would be telling them to go fuck themselves because no you're gonna pay me what you pay everybody else exactly or i'm not gonna work here but their opportunities for work are so limited that they have to take these types of jobs to be able to even have a job so it's it's really crazy i mean the united states basically hates women hates people of color hates lgbtq people um, and will do anything in their power to keep people that are not white and male down. Now let let's clarify that statement. Oh, straight white male. <laughs> no, let's let's clarify the statement though. <laughs> the U.S. does not. The people in charge are. The people in power are. Uh, you're right. the The leadership. The leadership. The there, there's there's leadership and special interests. Mm-hmm. And that is what that that is what is there holding a lot of that back. Now, you know, that is also not to say our votes don't count. Our votes do count. Period. Yeah, and we've obviously seen that in you know the 2020 election. Exactly, and and I'm count. the first one to tell you that anyone that says your vote doesn't count is trying to convince you otherwise so that you don't vote because if they vote, you can't mm-hmm. cancel out theirs. And. That shit, that's crazy. I mean, going going back to like the Roe v. Wade and the loss of that right, if it happens, I mean, you may think it's not that slippery of slope um, for them to go after gay marriage, but if they can if they can overturn a 50-year precedent, what's a seven-year precedent? You know, yeah. Yeah. 2020, um, the whole being able to you know, be gay at work and not, or be LGBTQ at work and not get fired, you know, is new. It's not something that um, was available in the past. And I had family members that I would talk to about it when it came out, when it happened. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. And that's so great that this has happened. And I got the response, fine, will you guys finally stop complaining about this? And I'm like, first of all, you didn't have your your right to work wasn't ever in question. You know, you you can go do any job and they're not going to fire you because you're straight. Your right you know, to health care, not... your right to health care insurance, your right mm-hmm. to uh, marriage, all these rights, all these and, rights and, that should be inalienable. 
Exactly. And people think that the right to marry, it's like, oh, they just want to overtake religious marriage. Nah, fool. No, Karen, that is not my my prerogative. Sorry. That's not the reason. I mean, we want to be able to do everything that everybody else can do. No one's asking for special rights or to get more rights than anybody else. But, you know, when I have a husband, I should be able to be at his bedside when he is sick. I should be able to to be his guardian, just like any other married couple would be if I need to make medical decisions for him and his family shouldn't be able to come in and take those rights away from me or kick me out of the hospital, which has happened many, many, many times over over many, many years before we even got the right to to get married. So also being able to transfer inheritance. If I die, my partner should be able to get all the stuff that I have because that's what would happen in a normal marriage, right? Well, that would, couldn't happen before. You had to drop these uh, huge legal arrangements and, and trusts and all these other things to make sure that that happened. And even those were contestable in court by the family. And a lot of times they sided with the family and not the uh, partner that had been there for 25 plus years. Exactly. The, the legal ramifications, as a single person, I get taxed like a motherfucker all right i i get spanked every every time i get a paycheck for 25 percent or more married couples don't ryan you need some fuck trophies man (laughs) i know you've been practicing all these years i know i mean i'm gonna keep trying (laughs) but i mean it's the same thing you know the legal rights of any any married couple gay straight whatever are there to protect that 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 family that unit right and it's not like first of all it's not fair for uh, any couple to be held higher than any other couple um in any in whatever arrangement they have whatever marriage they have but to actively deny a group of people the right to be able to pass on inheritance to take those uh tax benefits that that other married couples get to be able to take um, all of the things that that are allowed and given to married couples, because this is a country that just personifies marriage as the end all, it all, be all. And if you're not it, you're paying more, you're doing more, you get less, and it doesn't matter where you are. Most married couples, when you're at work and you need time off to take care of your spouse, not a question. Right. Not a question. You take time off to take care of your boyfriend. And in a, in a gay relationship, um, yeah, well, you know, you, you got to understand that it's going to affect our, no, no, fuck you. I'm taking time off to take care of the person that I'm with. And I shouldn't be uh, discriminated against because I'm going to do that. I have some very, exactly. very, uh, very choice words for all of this because it's, it's irritating. <laughs> it, 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 Rightfully when, so. Rightfully so. Yeah. You know, it and Ryan, it's it's a it's a sick suck ass fact, but unless it affects you directly, you don't, don't see care. it the other way. Yeah, and that that is one of the polarized reasons we are so polarized is until it affects you directly and affects mm-hmm. someone you love, it's hard to change a mind. And and here's a simple analogy: in Texas, servers make two thirteen an hour. Mm-hmm. The rest of their money is made up by tips majority of the people that live in Texas that are not a part of the industry have no clue that's what's going on. And when I told people that, uh, that I waited tables on, 
uh, or because they would give me some smart ass remark like you make you know, blah 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 an hour and I'm like no you make 213 an hour I live off my tips that is the reason that I have money to be able to pay my bills so when people don't tip I get pissed because now not only do I not make the money that I need to pay my bills but I'm also getting a percentage of the sales that I made taken out of my tips as tip pool for the bartenders or for the bussers or for the hostesses to pay part of their salary, which yep. is some bullshit, but it's legal. So it goes back to that, you know, yeah, if you're a straight married couple, you don't have to worry about somebody um, coming up and getting pissed at you because you're holding your partner's hand in the street. How dare you do that in front of the children? Bitch, first of all, Stay in your own lane because nobody was over here messing with you or bothering you in the first place. And, you know, being as when I was a single person, recently not single now, when I was a single person, it's like everybody was stacked against single people. It's like, um, you're not good enough. You're, uh, you're not, uh, you know, can't hold down a relationship or whatever. You're, you're an anomaly for being as old as you are and not being in a relationship or being married or having kids. Right. And it's always been a, um, a stopping point, especially when I was working in the church for me to be able to move up higher or to do um, more leadership roles and things like that, because I wasn't married because I didn't have kids. It just meant that I wasn't worthy enough to do those things. And that honestly, it's how people see single people in general. And see, just because, just because you lack a certain life experience does not necessarily make you any less of a person, nor does it make your experiences any less valid. Yeah, and, and I think also, that's I think that's what that the message that that sends. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the message it sends is that because your life experiences are not the same as as mine, because your life experiences are different, they must be less than mine because mine are the superior life experiences. Right, because mine are the norm, and mine are what it, the majority of people are doing, and therefore you don't have anything of value to bring. Um, but your opinion, your, your opinion is not valued, valued because you haven't had the same normal life experiences. Mm -hmm. And even though, uh, I had more time to, to put into ministry, even though I had more available, uh, resources as far as like money to put into it, as far as, uh, tithing and things of that nature. Um, and, and I'm using the church as an example, because that's a thing that a lot of people can at least put their head around yeah but it's 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 infuriating that anybody has to have a court decision to determine whether or not they're good enough to be able to do something in this country well in 2020 they said okay you're good enough to not get fired for being who you are good job and you know it's it's insane and so we have all of these states that are all of these states that are doing this trigger law brings us to the the next topic is that uh, according to um abc news nbc news uh, lgbtq students are more likely to leave home for college in more welcoming states so when we talk about the mobility of the american people and moving to states and hitting jobs in places and uh, shortages of people to work and things like that. Well, this is a big deal. So LGBTQ students are more likely to leave Texas and come to Washington or more likely to leave 
um, Texas to come to any other place uh, that is going to be better for them in the long term. Absolutely. So, I mean, what what else can you say to that? It's like I feel scared and discriminated in here in this tech in Texas in this state. I'm going to move somewhere where I don't feel like that, and therefore my money and my time say, and my your money, your time, your experience, your work mm-hmm. experience, and your expertise has left the state. Mm-hmm. And it'll continue to be like that and continue to leave the state because it cracks me up because, you know, the one thing that we've noticed is a mass exodus from California to Texas. And I'm like, why are you coming here? <laughs> and not mm-hmm. not because I'm like, you're not welcome here. No. Bring your shit. Please turn the state blue. <laughs> My question is, why would you subject yourself to this? But on the same token, you know, it's. People are tired of paying high property taxes, tired of paying, you know, exorbitant. I can't speak this morning. A lot for very little compared to Texans and other places within the country. Texas just has a, a central, you know, a central population. Essentially, we have, you know, the metropolitan cities. And so it's, I think it's the closest that, that Californians can come to California. And I'm hoping when they come here, you know, they help change our politics, help change our points of view and stuff like that. Is my pop- property value going up and causing my taxes to go up? Yes. But if it means that I have a better way of life and my children have a better way of life, then why not? Mm-hmm. And, and that's the big deal. It's like Texas is cheap to live in, but... Texas is full of discrimination. I was about to say you're you're gonna pay for it in other ways. Yeah. And I would rather live in Washington right now and pay higher rental prices and pay higher taxes when I go get food or gas or whatever it is, and know that I live in a state that if I get sick, it, the state's gonna take care of me no matter what. Yeah. Um, if I get married, uh, they're not gonna revoke my my marriage license because somebody got pissed off because too many gays were getting married. Right. You know, and, and that's, that's definitely what could possibly happen partially due because of Roe v. Wade, if it gets overturned, but I mean, that fight is still there. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, good. I know we have just a couple minutes left, but I just wanted to jump into our mental health topic real quick. Um, the check-in check-in with your friends and family. Check in with those that, that you care about. Um, it's a big deal. It's really helpful. It really encourages other people. Uh, I know, uh, Rob, you and I had a check-in recently. And Rob was like, hey, I don't want you to do the A, B, C, and D. I don't need you to fight for me. I need you to listen. And I did my best to just listen. And, and I feel that's, <laughs> that's an important communication. Uh, my daughter actually went through this uh, same thing yesterday where all her friends were telling her, you need to break up with your boyfriend, blah, 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 blah. And she was like, really? I was just going to them to vent and talk. And I was like, did you did you state that very clear and, and openly? Because our nature as humans is to jump in and help. Right, we want to fix. And a check-in, a check-in, you know, set those boundaries at the beginning of the check-in, but also as someone that's receiving, be open to those boundaries and realize this person does not need you to jump in and help. They just want to, you know, someone to talk to. Yeah. And, and having someone to listen that isn't going to try and fix something or that is just going to be there to give you encouragement, 
can save a life. It can yeah. save a marriage. It can save a friendship. Um, it can save a relationship. You know, those are really important things. So remember when your friends or family are reaching out to you to talk to you about something that's bothering them, you know, that's really important. That makes you a special person in their life that they're that open and they feel that comfortable to be able to come to speak to you about those things. So don't take those for granted. Don't, oh, I'm busy right now. I'll talk to you later or something like that. Take the time to do it. It's okay to say, and it's okay to say, hey, I can't write this second. Let me give you a call in just a little bit, but be that responsible party to turn around and give them the call. I'm horrible at forgetting. (laughs) Yeah, I'm horrible at forgetting things. So also do not forget to kind of hit them again and say, hey, I really would like to talk to you. And being vulnerable on that on that level is always extremely helpful to both sides and both parties because then you know what what's up and what's going on you know and it goes back to boundaries again mm-hmm. but yeah ryan thank you for being my my check-in buddy and always being there to listen when i need you to and uh and honestly i feel like ryan knows that i'm the same way um oh yeah you've always called me you, I, you, I yeah you've called you've <laughs> called me at, at times and been been all over the place, but it was like, okay, I'm here. Go mm-hmm. ahead and shoot. Man. So just, just remember guys, checking in is not a tour or a task. It's an honor to have somebody to want to check in with you and vice versa. So be there for people as you can. And we are going to end up in this show with that segment. And so take care of each other and take care of yourself. Thanks guys.